Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone, at Dino Game Theory. And this is episode 10. And speaking of episode 10, it is, it is, uh, it is week 7 in the NFL season. Uh, we're recording this on a Sunday night, you know, as usual. And uh, so unfortunately, I won't know what happened on Monday, but what a week. Uh, definitely one of those weeks that uh, it was actually a bloodbath for, for Mr. Game Theory here. Took a lot of L's, um, but that's all right, you know, because a lot of my teams were doing well, but it was not a good week for me. So it must have been a little wonky. Uh, all, all the uh, Lamar Jackson teams, all the Pat Mahomes teams, Dalvin Cook teams, Miles Sanders teams, you know, a lot of buys, few injuries. You know, if you got Michael Thomas, you were hurting. I'll tell you, if you had Devontae Adams, you were not hurting. What a week for Devontae. We'll hit that on today's episode. Uh, speaking of today's episode, I, I, I have a really great guest. I have a, I'm going to get right to him because I want to bring him on. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I, I kind of started the Undroppables with, you know, a bunch of these guys and, and obviously with the, with the godfather and co-founder, uh, Chalk and Term, but, you know, kind of got my start on Twitter. Uh, just sort of as a bystander for a while, for a year or so, and then you know started to contribute a little bit, and people started to kind of see what I was capable of and what what I knew, and did some writing and so forth and so on. It all kind of goes from there. Well, the the person I have on today kind of walked that same path with me, and you know one of the nicest guys you'll find out there. Joining me today is is Garrett Price at Dynasty Price. Uh, doing a lot of work for the Dynasty Nerds. He's on the Dynasty Nerds podcast almost weekly. Um, I don't know how he does it, but no, I'm, jo- I'm just joking. But with me today, Garrett Price. Garrett, talk to me, brother. How's it going, man? You know what? Honestly, until I got on here and I got to see, uh, you know, we're, we're on Zencaster doing this and whatnot. I, I assumed your name wasn't actually Jax. But I didn't actually know it was Scott until until I literally read it on here. So you know, I, we've been communicating back and forth and talking about rankings and uh, rookie player values and all that kind of stuff for basically two years now. And I don't know how up until this moment I didn't actually know. Well, I can tell you why. Um, I can remember, like you know, so one of the reasons that I have an alias is that I wasn't trying to be myself when I hopped on Twitter. Because I wasn't looking for friends of mine. I was looking for something else. So I didn't necessarily want people who I knew or whatever. I didn't, that's not what I was doing. I was trying to figure out. I always say I started using Twitter to uh, access uh, Dynasty Fantasy Football information and Fantasy Football information. So I came in with that uh, desire. And so I threw up the alias. He's he's cool enough. And, and off we went. Well, as I started to get some notoriety you know, or some following or whatever you want to call it. I said, well, I'm, I'll switch my name to my name. And I remember the I changed it and people were like up in arms like, who the hell is this guy? Where the hell Jacks go? Bring him back. I was like, all right, forget <laughs> it. I'll just put it back. So I literally just said, all right, fine. The people love him. I like him. He's a nice, he's a much nicer guy than I am. No, he's not. I don't know. Whatever. But, you know, it was like, so there it goes. And, you know, so I've used my, my real name in a lot of writings I've done. And certainly on the pod, I just, you know, felt like at some point, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be someone else. I'm just, uh, you know, the alias was fun as hell. And, and, and when people call me Jax, I'm down with it. So it's all good. There we go. Yeah. So yeah, you came in with the, you know, the wholesome approach, uh, you know, just use your real name and be a, be a superstar just like you are, man. <laughs> I, I, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily, you know, intentional. It was, 
uh, I, I like dynasty fantasy football. Let's, uh, let's hope some of this stuff sticks and, uh, I don't get, uh, get booed out of town and have too many terrible takes to start off with. And, uh, fortunately, uh, it, it's paid off to be more lucky than good. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you know, I think both of us, you know, we talked a little bit before the show, but you know, we both share kind of a very similar approach to, uh, to the, to the quote unquote industry. I don't know whatever you want to call it, but we weren't looking for that. We didn't come looking for that. We were looking, I think both for information on, on Twitter. We started to share our opinions and, and, you know, kind of get in and around the conversation. And we realized as well as the others around us that we kind of knew what the hell we were doing. Is that about what you felt? Yeah, not too far off. I was I was literally just listening to the Dynasty Nerds podcast and I was always on Twitter for, you know, any information I could get and whatnot, but I wasn't wasn't a huge active participant. But when they when they talked about looking for writers, I was like, well, you know, I was always decent in English class and uh, I know decent amount about this stuff. So why don't I give it a shot? And the, the, the writing stuff did pretty well. And I just happened to be where I'm about an hour and 15 minutes from where Matt and Rich record. And so they, they brought me on for a guest spot one week and they were more or less just like, Hey, you, you don't suck. So maybe you would want to do this, you know, more often. And, and then basically from there on out, I, I became a regular part of the show and, uh, it's, it's been really cool. It's been a real blessing to get to be there with them. They had been, been doing this for about five years before I had even uh, gotten on the show. So it's been a cool two year uh, run with them so far and, and uh, looking forward to all the, all the good things in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I was uh, listening to the dynasty nerds podcast. Um, I think with you, uh, you know, not, not with you, but you know, uh, along with you when they, you know, when I kind of got into this, uh, just like I said, just trying to find as much content as I could. But I think I'm going to ask the question everybody wants to know uh, about the Dynasty Nerds podcast. How are the furnishings in Rich's mother's basement? <laughs> you know, because that's where you record, right? In Rich's mom's basement. I mean, that's correct. No. You know what? It it sure does feel that way. Uh, <laughs> Rich is actually low key. Like, I don't know that he wants me to put this out there. Like, Rich is doing pretty well for himself. Uh, yeah. he, he, he's doing quite all right. And so, uh, he, we are in his basement though. So we're still in somebody's basement at least. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, he's got this, like, he's got this nice pool. He's got this like lake that like has this big old deck that like looks over the lake and like, it's, it's, it's pretty nice setup. The compound is what you call it, right? Yeah. Basically. The dynasty nerds compound. Absolutely. Well, like any cult, I'm sure it's going to go perfect. <laughs> what <laughs> no, could I'm go wrong? I, I, I'm teasing, of course, but I, you know, uh, I wouldn't be living up to my namesake if I wasn't, you know, ribbing someone at some point. Uh, but you know, I really like those guys, and you know, I I have a special uh, kindred, you know, spirit with with Rich a little bit. I think he's kind of a goofball like me, and. You know, uh, and I mean that in the nicest possible way because I think it's pretty, pretty affable. So, you know, uh, I, I like those guys. And, and you know, I, I will say as a – I wouldn't – I mean, I guess a beginner. I, I've been playing fantasy football for a long time. But when I first got into Dynasty, I thought they did a great job of kind of, you know, just laying out the the simple tenets of the game that you should probably be, be paying attention to. And I think you guys are still doing that while also giving some, you know, some high-level advice. So, you know – Kudos to those guys. Kudos to you, man. Well, I really appreciate it. Yeah, they're they're uh, they're they're great at what they do, and uh, just to get to be a part of it has been fun. And uh, you know, the the only the only downside is the two of them agree too much. So 
it was nice to uh, to come in and throw a wrench in that. You know, I've been I've been I don't agree too much. I don't think with with anybody. Although I tend to, I guess I prefer to have people on that I kind of agree with. So maybe I should stop doing that. Um, but you know, <laughs> no, it's true, man. I had Michael Lou on. You know, he's a good, and dude. he and I are just like you know. The, the the mind meld is incredible and you know you and i were talking earlier that that we kind of have that same thing but you know i'll definitely try and uh, disagree with you i think i found a few things along the way that maybe we'll disagree on i, I i'll certainly try and find them um because that's probably where you get better you know i always felt like you know we have the undroppables group chat and there's like 22 of us in there um you know it's a pretty big deal over there and you know all the writers and you know the editors and film guys and um you know the producers, like everybody's in there, you know, and, and I always say we stress test the idea. You know, if you've got some take that you think you, you've got, whether, whether it's, you know, Hey, start this, this guy this week or whatever, it's not going to go quietly in the night. It's going to get either agreed with and agreed with three times. Then someone's going to come in and drop a hammer term. Usually term will come in there and say, you're all (laughs) stupid, but that's I love it. Trust me, I, be, I you know there's nothing better than a little bit of healthy disagreement. So let's see if we can find it in the pod today. Love it. I'm all about it. All right. Well, you know I think uh, you know one of the things that I'd love to get to real you know, real quick before we kind of get into some some real football is you know I my whole persona is dynasty game theory and you know I think I'm I'm, I'm known for kind of having a you know a pretty good way of dissecting strategy. And in terms of dynasty fantasy football, you know, if you were to kind of pick one or two things that, you know, you feel is like if you were telling someone brand new at dynasty, you know, what would you sort of tell them so that they can be successful out the gate? Is there anything that you sort of have a nugget here or there? Or what do you got? Yeah. One of the big things for me is, you know, everyone starts off, unless you're picking up an orphan team, everyone starts off with a startup draft. And so you really got to be careful to make sure that you do your startup draft well. If you do poorly on your startup draft, that's going to set you back quite a bit of time, and it's going to be hard to recover from that. So the biggest thing for me uh, within the startup draft is it's 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 value over need. So I think sometimes people get so caught up in, okay, I'm in round you know three now, and I took two of the same position, so I have to now take a different position. Not necessarily. If that's if that what works out to be the best value, sure, awesome, great, diversify, cool. But if the best value is still at the same position, take the best possible player on the board regardless. I see guys at times reaching for tight ends in round seven because they feel like they have to get a tight end to complete their starting lineup. No, you have time to make trades. You have time to make deals. One of the best examples of this uh, that just happened to me in a recent draft, and honestly, I probably didn't even get enough value for it, but it was a super flex startup this past year. It was with some some really, really awesome people. Uh, it, Evan Silva's in it. Uh, Graham Barfield's in it. Um, j- just a lot, a lot of really, really cool guys. And uh, one of the – it's a super flex draft. And we get to, I believe it was the ninth round, 10th round. I have to go back and look exactly where it was. I was already pretty okay at, at the quarterback position, but in Superflex, obviously we know super, the, the quarterback is incredibly valuable, but Justin Herbert was still sitting on the board. I was like, well, he he's a high he's a highly ranked prospect. I know there's a lot of risk, but there's also potentially a lot of reward there. So, you know, I really, 
I think I need to. I think I need to take this guy over. You know, I really didn't have a lot of depth at running back yet. I could probably use another tight end, but I, I gotta. I gotta take him here. And then I am actually undefeated in this league, and I was able to flip Justin Herbert uh, in week three, which I kind of wish I would have held on to him even longer because he's blown up and been fantastic. Um, yes. But in week three, I got Kareem Hunt, uh, and which was after. Uh, after Nick Chubb's injury, I got Kareem Hunt and like another good piece. I don't remember what it was right now. So I got like two good pieces that were taken just a month before that, two months before that, that were taken in the sixth and seventh rounds. I traded a 10th round pick for sixth and seventh round picks. So you just got to go with the value there because if I would have just settled and said, okay, I'm going to take uh, the best available running back in the 10th round or ninth round or whatever it was, I'll take uh Gosh, Sony Michelle, I guess. I don't know. You know, how would my team be looking right now? Because I just settled because I felt like I needed a position. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, and there's a there's a there's even some deeper uh strategy to that, and you're a hundred percent right. And you know, the strategy that I would sort of jump on with that is that you want to pick pieces that will last longer. You know, yeah. we know that, you know, Sony Michelle may or may not have been a good play this year. We didn't know going in. I mean, as it turned out, he wasn't. But it's a terrible pick, even if he was awesome this year, because he's only going to have two two years, maybe, even if he's great. You know, maybe three, you know, hashtag two to three year window that Dynasty Nerds talk about. But, you know, it is very, very true. Those Those running backs are very you know, unstable assets. They just are, um, you know, they can be diminished in a moment. They can be hurt. They can be replaced. Uh, you know, wide receivers won't be replaced. So, you know, generally I'm building around wide receivers just because they're more stable assets and quarterbacks, of course, in super flex leagues, um, because they're also generally stable, although not necessarily. I think, uh, I, you know, if I could have, if I could have hopped on one pod with you guys and, and argued against most, I think mostly rich, but both of you guys, all you guys was a little bit of that quarterbacks are very stable. They're actually not. Um, you know, they, they take, can be the elite ones, but the backside of those, you know, the, the quarterbacks 20 through 32. I mean, we, we think even Haskins, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, you know, going into the year would have been stable because of, you know, draft capital. They're not. They're really not because if you don't win, you're going to get replaced. You know, Jameis Winston last year, um, so forth and so on. A lot of these quarterbacks will get churned. Um, Mariota looks stable at one point. So, you know, quarterbacks are just really valuable. Some are extremely stable. Obviously, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. I mean, yes, of course, the, the, the elite of the elite are the most stable asset there is, but not all of them are. So it's a real kind of interesting little play there uh, with the quarterbacks. But but wide receivers, for the most part, if they're good, they're 10-year stable. And you know, if you can sort of build them and then, like you say, make trades to get Kareem Hunt when you need him to win a chip or whatever the case is, that's kind of the way I've always looked at it. Yeah, and that was exactly it. I was <laughs> the the way the draft fell to me there. Uh, I, I I took Kyler Murray in the first, and uh, I wasn't planning on going zero RB, but with the way the draft fell, I took Devontae Adams in the second. I took DeAndre Hopkins in the third, and I took Amari Cooper in the fourth. And you know, right. It, I wasn't planning on doing that, but the running backs just went so fast that the value just wasn't there, and I had to pivot to what right. the best value was. Yeah, and in a redraft league, you'd be getting kind of killed maybe because oh, you'd never sure. find a running back. But Very in a different dynasty redraft league, and dynasty you know, strategy. <laughs> yes, absolutely. In a, in a dynasty league, look, maybe you won't win year one. I mean, you still might because Devontae's – 
I would bet, I don't know what Devontae Adams' winning percentage was, but like whatever team he was on this week, I bet that team won like 80, 85% of their games oh, this week. Sure, yeah. I mean, he was a, he was a weak winner, right? Yep. Um, you know, if you played him this week, you lost. If you had him this week, you won. It was like that simple. It was so brutal. Basically. Um, so yeah, I mean, th- those, those wide receivers definitely tend to, you know, that, that's going to buoy your team. I mean, I, I was talking with the guys last week and they, they, you know, he said, I hate Amari. And I said, you can hate Amari. He's still going to put up, well, now who knows, but you know, he's still going to put up 80 catches, 1200 yards and eight touchdowns this year and next year and the year after probably, you know, um, yeah. very stable, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think this week, even with, with Andy Dalton, who he's not looked good. Uh, I, I believe no. he still had like seven catches for 81 yards, like still 15 points. <laughs> yep. Still there. Um, <clears throat> and one of the things I'd always mentioned about wide receivers was, you know, if CD Lamb were Jonathan Taylor and Amari Cooper were, you know, uh, some other, you know, uh, running back in that range, uh, J- J- James Connor, you know, whatever, then Jonathan Taylor takes over, you know, and like the, the I always say the, the wider, res- the, the, the running back that gets the, the rookie brought in literally kind of goes away. Whereas the wide receiver who gets the talent around him, they still get their targets because they can have up to two, three, in some rare cases, as many as four wide receivers who are who are worthy of targets on a on a football team, generally sure. only one, maybe two. If it's a real like New Orleans, a couple of backfields have two, very few, and even New Orleans, not really, right? So yeah, you know, Cleveland's some, doing it this year when before Nick Chubb yes, got hurt, but yeah, one right. There's like one, maybe two. So and sometimes I I would argue there's none. So there's like there's like thirty, maybe twenty to thirty backs. That's it in the league that are going to give you anything. Whereas wide receiver is. Yes, it's deeper, but it's also more stable because once you become, you know, a wide receiver to, you know, uh, and then all of a sudden a, a real stud comes on you, maybe you become a wide receiver three, but you don't become irrelevant, you know? Right. So that's, that's that. But speaking of irrelevant, let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> you see what I did there? That's a good transition. <laughs> uh, boy, oh boy. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I think I, you know, I do weekly. One of the funnest things I do is I actually, you know, I don't tag at my fantasy league very often, but on this I do every week just to try and get it to the masses. Um, I do my weekly power rankings just to see who get pissed off. You know, it's like usually Bears fans because I'm a little disrespectful, but um, <laughs> whatever. You know, it's like I just put. My, I think I had Philly and Dallas at like eighteen, nineteen. Like you know, not even in the top half of the league. Like eighteen, nineteen. Everybody's like Dallas is one of the worst teams, and I was like, come on, guys. I think they might be right. All the all the haters who are telling me they're bottom five after this are they a bottom five team right now? It, it's it's definitely interesting because there was so much uh, about Dak Prescott and you know how much is he really worth to this team? And we'll, we're we're seeing right now how much he's actually worth Whew. to this team. Uh, a lot, a lot. This offense looks lost without him. Zeke even looks a little bit lost without him. And the hard part was going into the season, we already knew their defense was going to have problems. Then they get a right. couple big injuries on top of it to guys like Van Der Esch. And it, it, so you put a, a terrible defense and it, it was originally going to be great for fantasy purposes because you have Dak Prescott in there to sling it for legitimately 500 yards a game. And and I'm not even being hyperbolic, like literally 500 yards a game with Dak Prescott. But uh, it, when when you when you don't have the guy that's the key to the ignition for a high powered offense, it's gonna be rough. And so that's that's what we're getting here. And so from a real NFL perspective, they really might be a bottom five team. And so I, I'm I'm guessing they kind of almost wished they hadn't 
had that great comeback against uh, Atlanta or the other <laughs> one that they had against the Giants when Andy Dalton came in at the end of the game because they've only got two wins, and, and both of them were barely wins over bad football teams. Yeah, it couldn't be said any better than that. I mean, it, it's really – it, it, it's it's really bad, and the coaching uh, was was visibly bad. I think before this past week, but this past week we heard the players come yeah. out and leak or say uh, that the the coaches are not only morons, but they're bad at their job. They're not making adjustments. Like they're not prepared. Um, things that really ring true. It's not like you heard that one. Oh, that's unfair. I don't think so. You know, it was like, <laughs> yeah, that makes perfect sense. I think I agree with that a hundred percent that, you know, it wasn't, it, 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 I mean, this is just like the worst case on every, on every, uh, on every level. Um, you know, maybe Dak won't even want to come back. I mean, that's how bad it is. It, it I mean, that's absolutely a, a possibility. <laughs> I mean, really he's going to, what's he, a, he's a free agent, right? Like he can do whatever yeah. he wants. I, I mean, this is ridiculous. So uh, I guess they could franchise him uh, again, which would be uh, I, 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 some ridiculous. I think it's like 150% of the top three average. Like it's some ridiculous yeah. number. It's going to be like $48 million or something. Maybe more. I don't even know. Like it's going to be crazy. It's I didn't not look into it, feasible. but it's a lot, the second one. Yeah. yeah. So probably not going to do that. So, I, but so yeah, this is kind of a weird thing. I mean, they're definitely going to have to woo him back. I think he's going to get his contract. I think he deserves it. Uh, I quite frankly think any quarterback that's a, a, a top five to 10 quarterback basic basically deserves their money because the way the league is going, it seems like that's the only way you're going to win. There's no more Trent Dilfer. That's going to win a, win a, a Super Bowl, not in this era and not in the way they're playing. Right. Yeah, probably not. I mean, you would have to be legitimately elite at every other position uh, and still at least have a game manager. You know, the only, the only situation that I could even see, remotely possible was what we kind of saw with Tennessee last year, but I don't think their defense is as good as it was last year. Uh, so I, I don't think they're going to be able to do that, but it, you would have to have a, a big time running back. Like they have other good receivers and weapons, but, but like I said, I just don't think their defense is good enough for, for something like that to happen. And, and your example is great, but even that example, Ryan Tannehill is the most efficient quarterback in the NFL last year. He's what top three efficiency this year. Now he may not be prolific, but they're not asking me prolific. And he's been as good as he could be. Like, right? I mean, yeah, you can't ask exactly. him to be any more efficient. So, you know, even in that scenario where we don't view Tannehill that way, he is doing that. So somehow or another, the quarterback play is uh, succeeding in Tennessee. But I get your point. And, you know, here's the here's the catch of this. They're like a half a game out of first place in their division. And I mean, I can't imagine this team laying down, not with all the money they've got, not with Zeke, Amari, CeeDee Lamb. Like, I know those are kind of big names, and it's, of course, it's Dallas, but I know their defense sucks. I know their offensive line is in trouble. I, I know all these things. But when you tell me the team has Jerry Jones, CeeDee Lamb, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, like, that's enough. Okay, great. You know, they're going to go for it, I guess, or, or right? And so here's my little workshop take. And I heard this a little bit before, but I, you know, this is, I'm thinking this is the time that Jerry Jones goes and gets Ryan Fitzpatrick, makes this trade. He's got to be worth nothing. He's the type of gunslinger, like, because they need points. They don't need game manager. And Andy Dalton is a game manager. He got hit in the most indefensible way. I thought that was, you know, bullshit. Uh, the the hit by uh, Bostic yeah. uh, today was just I hated that man. I mean that's that just like bad. the 
Right? I mean, that's the worst thing for the game, and, and it's, like, terrible. I mean, I don't – even before any of the rules, like, if this was 1972, that's a shit play, you know? Right. But, um, the guy slide and you hit him in the head. Like, there's no – Right? Like, such such bullshit. But may, tell me I'm crazy. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Dallas. I don't tell think me I'm crazy. I don't think it's crazy, and I, and I think your reasoning for wanting him there is right because I'm not sure that Ryan Fitzpatrick is that much better of a quarterback than Andy Dalton is. But the difference is in the way that they play. Uh, he does have that, I'm going to chuck it down the field, YOLO, risk it for the biscuit, like I don't yep. care, let's make plays. And he has a good enough receiving core that can do that. We saw him do that with Tampa Bay. Uh, and and to some extent in Miami, although he didn't have the same type of weapons, he actually still had pretty good success with Parker and Williams and and Jacecki. So I, I think it would be a good fit. The hardest part about all of it is – with the quarterback position, you're talking probably at least three weeks until you're comfortable putting him in the starting lineup because the quarterback just has to know so much about the He offense. went to Harvard. He went to Harvard. He's super smart. He's 38 <laughs> years old. I mean, I, I'm half joking, but the, the, the serious half is like, what else do you have to lose? I mean, here's the sure. thing. They've got a rookie. I didn't even never heard of this guy. I mean, you and I are like in the deepest dynasty football leagues with like the stiffest competition of all time. Had you ever heard of the backup quarterback? No, no, I hadn't. I had never heard of him. So like, I was like, oh my God. Anytime it happens when I, when a player goes in and I've never heard of him, I'm always excited. Yeah. I'm like, yes, Saul, who's this? Like, I'm, I, it's like an unbelievable moment. I love it. So anyway, they've got that kid who I don't even know. I still right? thought it was or, Cooper Rush from last year, honestly. <laughs> I didn't realize Cooper Rush was gone, which was already a deep dive. <laughs> they should have put in Kellen Moore. Exactly. Just, just let him go. Call his own play <laughs> right from the field. It'll be great. Yeah. Absolutely, put a helmet on that kid. He's fine. What? He's younger than Brady, uh, so <laughs> so um, yeah. I just think it's it's like you know it would it would just be. I mean, it would be cool and it would be fun. And I think it would be it. Look, they're they're are they going to win a game this year, twenty to seventeen? No, right? They're not going to win a game twenty to seventeen. So with Fitzpatrick, they're either going to lose sixty three to seven. Or they're going to win thirty three to thirty, right? Like there's going to be sixty. Bet the over every game right. with Ryan Fitzpatrick. With this thing, I mean, you know, it's like I don't know. It's just it's very uninspiring. Like like Ceedee Lamb and Gallup were invisible. Like it didn't it didn't look good. It didn't look good. No, I'm with you. It's it's a dumpster fire there right now. So anyway, go go get Fitz Yolo. If he sucks. You know, you fail. If he if he somehow gets it done, like, is there a better story? No. So go for the story, Jerry Jones. Bring him in. Come on. There it is. The, the, the world is rooting for this kid, too. I want to see him get an opportunity to play. Um, so, you know, speak. go from one end of the spectrum to the other. Uh, I'm just going to ask you, is it possible the Pittsburgh Steelers are the best team in the NFL? It, it definitely has to be a part of the conversation. We already knew how good that defense was last year. I mean, they were competitive in games. They, they went 500 with Duck Hodges as their starting quarterback. <laughs> like, like, how does that happen? Mason Rudolph in there. Like, it was awful on the offensive side of the football. But yet they were still making plays. You get Big Ben back, and we saw what that did for this offense. They already had a good playmaker in Juju. They already had a downfield threat in James Washington. Last year, they drafted a, a receiver that might be better than all of them in Deontay Johnson, and then they added Chase Claypool, which, I'll be honest, I was not on Chase Claypool at all. 
And boy, was I wrong. He's looked fantastic. Perfect fit. I should have known when he went to Pittsburgh. They do a phenomenal job of developing their wide receivers. But uh, there's so many weapons there. And James Conner, when healthy, is still an effective running back. I'm not going to say he's like the best running back or anything like that. But he's still effective uh, out there. And so they they got a good O-line. And, and there's really no major holes on that defense at all. So I'm still going to I'm still going to go with the Chiefs as probably the best team in the league, and and I think Seattle is probably in that conversation as well. But and any any top five that doesn't include Pittsburgh right now, I think is 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 ridiculous. Well, it's interesting. <clears throat> Excuse me the uh, the aforementioned rankings that I did. I think I had Pittsburgh at five, and I got grief for that uh, before before this week. And I was like, man, you know, it's not like I have them at 10, you know. Um, but, yeah, the, I, the, I didn't have them high enough for a lot of people who thought they were really good. And you know what? Those people, uh, you know, I guess they were right. I like it. Um, you know, they're certainly moving up. The question is how high, you know. Yeah, I had Baltimore. I had Seattle. I forget who else. Maybe one other team. Maybe t- Tennessee. I don't think. Maybe. But uh, in any event, they're, you know, it's like where do where do they go, you know. I mean, obviously – they're definitely right there. I, th- I just think that, and I and I actually like Tennessee too because they actually got behind in this game. And you know, you talk about that that quarterback being Tannehill. Look, he has he has made some comebacks. I mean, really last has. week last week was amazing. Like, so he's played when the chips are down. He's played really well. I, I'd also um, look. You know, I I said this. Chase Claypool, you know, was is, is is a good player. I don't think he's a bad player at all. I think he's going to be really good. But you know, Juju had 14 targets. Uh, uh, you know, DJ had 15 targets. Um, you know, so I think those are still your one and two. You know, those, those guys had you know 29 targets among them. Claypool had a catch for a negative two yard. I mean, he's still that guy. I mean, I think he's really good, but I don't think you know. I think it was a little bit too early to put him over either of those two guys in Dynasty. I heard some rumblings of people doing that. Uh, I couldn't get him there. As a matter of fact, we're going to get to some of our either-ors, and I think it's going to be really fun to do. So without further ado, let's jump in a little bit. I, I want to talk some Dynasty, and you know, one thing that I like doing is sort of taking a, a measure of where players are at. So l- let's kind of dive in. I mean – if we're talking about Chase Claypool, I think we we should probably start with some of the rookies. And there's so many good rookie wide receivers, and Claypool is one of them. But if you were to have to pick or rank these three players, T. Higgins, Jerry Judy, and Justin Jefferson in Dynasty. So Justin Jefferson, Jerry Judy, and T. Higgins. Who's one, two, three for you? It's really difficult. It's tough. It, it, so it, tough. It is, you know, because the the highest grade I had coming in, and it was close. I mean, all of these guys were in the same grouping, but uh, I, I kind of had CD ahead of all of them uh, with Jalen Rager just on his tail. And then it was kind of this group of, of, of these guys right here that you're talking about were kind of all in that next tier for me. So as of right me now, too. based on what I've seen on the field, based on their individual talents, but also – what looks like to be the the situation for them moving forward? This is going to be a little bit hot takey, and I, and I, it's not because I want to make a hot take. This is just literally the player I would personally rather take. I think I would actually have T Higgins at the top of that group. Uh, I know that the the masses are going to say Justin Jefferson, and honestly, I have no issue with that. It's a, it's a one A one B kind of thing. 
I don't trust Kirk Cousins. Uh, I don't trust the offense that they're in to continue to throw the ball a lot. So, and Adam Thielen is still getting the highest amount of the of the targets in this offense, and so I just don't know that he is going to be able to continue some of these things that we've seen so far. Whereas T. Higgins, they're going to continue to throw the football. I mean, this is a disciple of McVay uh, he, in the same you know realm as a lot of these other young gurus that that love to throw the football. Now, McVay, it's, it's a little bit of a misnomer because McVay actually runs the ball quite a bit. But uh, he, they're going to be chucking the football with Joe Burrow. I love the relationship that those two have. He's already putting up the numbers and looking absolutely fantastic. So just by a hair, I'm going to take T. Higgins, and I'm going to go Justin Jefferson, and then Jerry Judy. But it's it's really close. I mean, you could you could make any order, and, and I don't think it's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with you either, and that's why I asked. Um, I currently have Justin Jefferson as my wide receiver 14 in Dynasty. I have T. Higgins at 20 and Judy at 24. So my rankings would say Jefferson, Higgins, and Judy, but when I was looking at my rankings, I was thinking, I really like T. Higgins. And yeah. where does he, how high can I get him? Where, you know, maybe I should move Jefferson down. You know, I mean, obviously, if your rankings aren't fluid, then, you know, you're maybe doing something wrong. I mean, if you're, if you're too take locked with everything that you think, you're probably going to miss players all the time. You're also going to miss changes in value. But so I, I, I'm not a, I don't disagree with you necessarily. I especially love the, the take about uh, T. Higgins attached to Joe Burrow. You know, I asked yesterday, uh, excuse me, last week, uh, I think it was, I think I asked T, uh, T Higgins versus LaVisca Chenault, uh, and the right answer was T Higgins, and the answer, one of the reasons was Joe Burrow, of course, you know, and, sure. and you know, having Joe Burrow, but I felt like T Higgins had leapfrogged Jerry Judy again, and that, that was something that I, that I wanted to ask to see if you had that, and you, you clearly do, because you believe that T Higgins even leapfrogged Justin Jefferson. So I'm with you. Uh, I think a lot of people would have Jerry Judy ahead of both of them still. I, I think that's maybe the take lock I'm talking about. Sure. Now, I don't know if you did, but I did not have Jerry Judy ahead of uh, Justin Jefferson pre-draft or pre, you know, preseason, pre-draft. Did you? I did. I had Jerry Judy as my third guy. Uh, Got it. So I had it. I had it. CD, uh, Rager, and then Judy was, was my third. There you go. So, yeah, I mean, I had uh, Jefferson ahead of um ahead of Judy but those are my top 4 as well so uh certainly with you but yeah to see um to see you know what's happening with Jefferson and now T Higgins and you know T Higgins sort of was sneaky because you know all throughout the process like if you're a Devi player Higgins was there Higgins was there Higgins was there I mean he was so good he was so good and then the combine the 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 talk the all that stuff is what got us a little off him not a lot I mean, because I think I had him, I don't know, maybe five, six, seven, wherever. Right there, right after him, you know, Mims and a couple guys there. Um, Edwards, for me anyway. But, you know, he he fell to me in a couple leagues where, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have taken him if another guy had been there, you know. So I was really kind of fortunate. I like having him on the on my teams now. So I'm grateful that at least I had him as high as I did because I didn't miss on him too much. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you. Let's uh let's look at the next one I was thinking about uh, and it's basically the, the the next group is kind of the guys that it's it's Laviska Chanel and then a few guys that we haven't seen enough of to make this quality call on and you know it's probably your next well one of them is Jalen Rager who you had at wide receiver too so now you got to you know it's really tough to tell where I want Jalen Rager just because 
of not being able to see what he can do. So Rager, Mims, Edwards, and Chenault, a little bit tougher there too. We're, you know, put those in some sort of order for me. Yeah, another another tough grouping. Uh, for me, I will. So there's a there's a clear one for me at this point, and there's a clear four for me. So I'll start there. Um, my clear one is still Jalen Rager. I believe in what I saw on tape. We saw week one right out of the gate had a 50 yard bomb, like just making plays right away, even on an offense that the, the O line's kind of putrid right now. And there's not a lot of weapons and all this stuff. Like he is a guy that could absolutely make plays. And Carson Wentz is just looking for a guy to make plays. And, and I think Jalen Rager could absolutely be that guy. He's just got to stay healthy. So he would be my one. And right now, Chenault would be my four. Wow. It's not okay. That, it's not that I dislike Chenault. Uh, my the thing I struggle with the most, and this is uh, kind of going back to your your game theory. Uh, I struggle with guys that are somewhat positionless players, and I think that's kind of what we have here uh, with Lavisca Chenault. We see this all the time where guys are really good athletes, and because of that, we want to get them on the field. But are they a wide receiver? Are they a running back? Are they a and they seem to always tend to be these gadget players, which don't seem to get enough touches or don't seem to be proficient enough at one thing to really be as useful as they could be for fantasy. So it's not as much a knock on the player. It's just kind of the role that he's been morphed into. So he would be four for me. So the battle really becomes Edwards and Mims, two guys that I was very, very high on coming into the process. Really big fans of both players. Um Ugh, this is really tough for me. <laughs> Say before you before you decide, I'll tell you that right. uh, I have Edwards and Mims back to back in my wide receiver rankings at forty <laughs> and forty one. So As like you I'm with you. Yeah, no, it's like it, it is a coin flip here, and and but you know we we have to we have to make a call, and even when you make close calls, hey, it, you know we can live with them, and 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 I don't even know which way I ha- I have them a certain way, and I don't know what I want to answer after you answer. So that's how close it is. So 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 tell me which one it is. Damn it! If I had to pick, gun to my head, I think yeah. I'm gonna take Mims. Uh, it's I, so close. I had him ranked higher as a pure prospect, but it was very very close. Uh, the other thing that you know is an issue for both of them is they've both been banged up. So you know the, you can't really give a tiebreaker to either one on that. I'm tempted to to give Edwards a slight bump because he's in a better situation. But we know situations right. are fluid, and I have yep. no idea what New York's going to be like next year. For all we know, it could be Trevor Lawrence throwing in the football. So yeah, it could get a lot better. It could. So I'm just going to go with. That we, I don't have enough information in 2020 on either one of them yet. So I think I'm going to revert back to what I saw on tape in college at this point. You know, if you throw Brandon Ayuk in there, um, then I have Brandon Ayuk, LaVisca Chenault, Jalen Rager, Edwards, and Mims, all between wide receiver 35 and 41. To me, that's a cluster. Yeah. And if I can get my hands on those guys at that type of value, you know, just after the sort of, you know, all the top, 36-ish wide receivers, you know, uh, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, Michael Gallup, Mike Williams. You know, I'd probably move a lot of these guys that I just mentioned above some of these guys. Certainly, you know, Mike Williams had a dud today, but um, I kind of like that he'd been playing well and connected to Herbert. 
But today was not his day. No. I think we'll see better days from Mike Williams. But you, you kind of know what I mean. Like there's kind of that group of guys that are, get consistent targets that are just kind of right there at the back side of, you know, wide receiver threes in Dynasty. Um, you know, because there's about 35 kind of really good startable wide receivers in, 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 uh, in, in fantasy football. They're also Dynasty um, assets. But after that, it's like it gets a little – you know, I've got them mixed in there with Devontae Parker and, you know, Preston Williams, Darius Slayton, Christian Kirk. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, I, I want these guys ahead of those guys. But how much, you know, I, I guess, how much do I believe in any of them? Or, or I'm not sure. You know, I'm, I, I love Mims coming in and, and maybe I should, I, you know, I just don't want to move them all up because you can't move, like, right. you can't move all six of them up into the wide receiver two range because that's probably not a correct take. So it's really hard to parse between these guys and pick the winner. Uh, which guy is going to be the guy that actually becomes a consistent WR2 and a, you know, flirting with WR1 seasons type of guy? Who's that guy? You know, is it, is it Mims when Trevor Lawrence gets there? Is it Edwards as soon as he gets healthy? I mean, that, that, that Oakland team, there I go, Oakland, that know, Vegas right? team. Oh man, I'm just an old man is all the problem. You know, the Brooklyn Dodgers, uh, you know, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, the Houston Oilers, uh, but you know, um, Mims could definitely be that guy. He had a pretty good showing today. I didn't, uh, check the final box score, but, um, yeah, it could be any of those guys. Yeah. I think he was, uh, four for 42 and all of that came early in the game. Like he early. had that. He had that within like the first quarter and a half, and then I don't yeah, know. I saw that. I don't know why they they didn't go back to him at all. So I didn't actually get to watch that game, but I was kind of keeping Thankfully. up with it as I was uh, <laughs> at the pumpkin patch today. So yeah. <laughs> I was, I was. You really didn't miss much of that game. My goodness. I mean, you know, uh, you you'll have to go back and listen to me take down Adam Gaze and Greg Williams on the past few episodes. I'm not going to do it again. I'm, pretty sure people would turn it off because I went at him pretty aggressively how <laughs> terrible those people are as coaches but you know of course they put up 10 points they somehow stymied uh Josh Allen uh yeah. you know just sort of it, it nothing I mean he put up big numbers like he threw for 300 yards his completion percentage wasn't bad but they just couldn't really convert when they wanted to uh so it was kind of interesting that the Jets were able to do that when they've kind of gotten steamrolled every game and they didn't it's, it's it was a very strange game let's just put it that way yeah, it 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 sounded like it from what I heard. So, and it it has been interesting because Buffalo's really kind of these past couple weeks. Josh Allen and, and that whole offense has really kind of started to sputter a little bit based off of what we saw early on. So, I'm curious to see if the early season Buffalo Bills are the real Buffalo Bills offense, or if it's been what we've seen these past three weeks. Because I know before this week. Uh, and part of this was because I was prepping for the show this past week that I couldn't even be on, but I always create the show sheet uh, for the guys. And when, when looking at Josh Allen, the first three weeks, he was averaging roughly 30 points per game uh, for, for fantasy football purposes. The last two games, he was averaging down to 19 and a half. So yeah. this week, I'm assuming he was probably closer to that. So with him and with the entire offense, is it more weeks one through three or is it more weeks four through six? Yeah, and I think it's probably somewhere in between. But you know, I think what I what we found in, is that Josh Allen has improved. You know, he's, for sure he did. He improved, for right? Sure. And but he still has those tendencies of you know some big mistakes and some accuracy issues here and there. But I mean, 
you know, it used to be he can't throw the ball downfield. That was the answer. Now it's he can throw the ball downfield, but it's going to be erratic from time to time. I think is more likely what it is. Look, if he ever puts it together like he did at the front of the at the front of the season, then he's a runaway MVP. Obviously, I mean that's just nonsense the way he was playing. So I guess it had to come back down to earth. It did, but today, I mean, they basically had eight field goal attempts. You know, right? Uh, he made six of them. That's their offense. They didn't score a touchdown, and you know, so that's not good. They really have to be able to punch it in against the Jets team at least at one point, especially when you have eight field goal attempts. You had your opportunities, you know. Um, every time I flipped over that game, you know, I watched Red Zone for the most part. It was just kind of another failed drive and like, you know, um, so I'm not so sure. We'll, we'll, we'll chalk it up to, you know, just one of those divisional games where everybody's up for everybody and, and go from there. But it, my uh, my monitor is on Josh Allen because I'm a little bit concerned as well. Um I, here's one that I think. Um, so I'm, I'm with you with the with the Mims, Rager, Edward Schnall. They're so close for me. I almost was asking f- to ask, you know. But um, staying with wide receiver, you know, AJ Brown had a huge game this week. He's awesome. I mean, I think he's incredible. DJ Moore played awesome. He had two touchdowns. Touchdowns were what we were waiting for with DJ Moore. Uh, he just hadn't been scoring touchdowns. It comes against you know a, a good set, Saint secondary. So I didn't necessarily see it coming this week. But I'm I'm delighted because I'm a big DJ Moore fan. Uh, I've got both of these guys in my, inside my top ten dynasty wide receivers. If you had to choose for your life, who you got? It's 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 another really close one. So you've done a great job of grouping some of these players together because uh, all of these guys you you could make very strong arguments either way. For me right now, I'm going to go AJ Brown though, and it's it's not because of DJ Moore. Had it been. All things being equal, I might take DJ Moore. But the problem was he did all of that on, I believe, just four targets today. Uh, yeah. And and that's the most concerning part for me is, is he the true unquestioned number one wide receiver there? I'm not sure that that is the case for Teddy Bridgewater and the Carolina Panthers, where I can say that definitively without a doubt for the Tennessee Titans, A.J. Brown is absolutely their wide receiver one. So I think that is going to be uh, the 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 point that splits it for me, but if I had to take DJ Moore, it's like, do you like ice cream or do you like cake? Like, yes, you know, it's, they're yes. both great. <laughs> they're both great, and I, I'm also with you on AJ Brown. I mean, he's uh, he just he's such a physical beast. Um, DJ oh, Moore is an excellent player, and you know he he sometimes gives me the sense that he might be like the best number two wide receiver in the league sometimes. You know, in other words, if there's like a Julio or someone there, um, I'm not saying he doesn't have alpha tendencies either because he absolutely does. Um, He's also been saddled with some average quarterback play, certainly not outstanding quarterback play. Um, I think, you know, nobody's taking Teddy as their, you know, as a although he played great again today, let's just face it. But, you know, I'm just saying like, you know, he's only – so good. He's, you know, he's that sort of game manager type you're talking about. And, you know, um, but, you know, he made plays today and, and they came up short. I, I, you know, I'm, first of all, couldn't be happier for any player in the league other than Teddy. I mean, I freaking love that guy. But, um, you know, I just don't know that they have that downfield, uh, you know, uh, passing offense. They, uh, you know, a couple of the plays today were also, you know, uh, run after catch. So sure. we'll have to see. Um, for sure I'm with you because he was like third or fourth on the team in targets. Uh, Curtis Samuel had more targets. Again, he makes plays when he's got the ball, does uh, DJ Moore. So, but I agree. I think uh, AJ Brown right now, 
sky's the limit. I moved him all the way up to wide receiver five. So it's like, I'm definitely there with you. And CD lamb, when you said that earlier, he's absolutely, you know, the WR one from that class too. There's no, no getting around it. Uh, the, the one that I think right now, and I'm curious what you have to say about this because, you know, I, I'm with you. I had, you know, Burrow and Tua as my number one and number two quarterbacks in this class. And I was skeptical to say the least about Herbert. Um, it's very clear that there's nothing more to be skeptical about, oh, for sure. uh, except you may be skeptical that he can throw for 5,000 yards in a season. Like that's, <laughs> you can be skeptical about that. Uh, but he's, he's on like Donkey Kong right now. And the question is though, you know, if you were in a startup draft, it's quarterback time and you've got them both on the board. Who are you pushing the button for? I'm still going to go Joe Burrow uh, over Herbert. I am taking Herbert over Tua at this point. Absolutely. And I think most people would. I, I don't think that's, especially after this week, just showing once again, like, this is not a fluke. So I, I think everybody would. Yeah. I am still going to take Joe Burrow. And and part of it is I – I think there are, I think there are different qualities about Joe Burrow that makes him special, uh, as far as a leader, as far as an individual that maybe Justin Herbert has, maybe he doesn't. I'm not in the locker room, I'm not in the huddle, but from everything that I've heard about Joe Burrow as a football player, as a competitor, versus Justin Herbert, I, I that's the that's the basket I want to put my eggs in. They both have really good arms. They both have surprisingly good accuracy. We knew Joe Burrow had good accuracy, but Herbert's really shown out uh, with, with, with his accuracy so far. Both are good runners of the football. They're both both good athletes. So it, it's another one that it's like you can't go wrong, but if I'm on the clock and I have to choose, I still am going to take Joe Burrow. Yeah, you know, one of the things I was thinking about doing with you because you're the perfect type of person to do it with was like a little like – redraft mock draft like where we do the 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 class over again but i was like you know i i know you guys do that on your pod i don't mean to wear you down with that shit you know so uh i decided against it um so i just want to do a lot of these either ors and i'm taking herbert i've got him currently one spot ahead of burrow um i've seen enough man i mean the kid if you go back one full calendar year and you know from this draft if herbert would have come out and burrow would have come out Burrow wouldn't have gotten drafted, and Herbert would have been the 1.01. Herbert had a little bit of an up and down year, you know, for a team that was not as good as the team that Joe Burrow played for. Uh, Joe Burrow did everything he needed to do at LSU, and he showed himself. And he, there's no questions about him. I don't, I don't think that he's not a fully formed prospect. He's there, man. I'm in. Again, one spot behind him. They're both top 10 uh, quarterbacks for me in Dynasty. As a matter of fact, they're both top eight quarterbacks for me in Dynasty. They're right after the big six. So they're they're seven eight right after the big six for me, but for me it's it's Herbert. Uh, he has the pedigree, he had the 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 arm. He's got great athleticism. Uh, he he looks seventeen in there. I mean he's still young, um, right? I mean the kid does, just looks young, right. and he's got no he he's got that same thing. You know, uh, Randall Kennedy of the you know of our of, of our unscripted pod had always said he's got a real slow heartbeat when he's talking about Joe Burrow, and he does, but. Herbert's got that same thing, man. He's icy cold. Yeah. Like, I mean, he threw that pass to Guyton today with that comeback touchdown 70 yarder. I was like, all right, dude, man, he, he does this week after week. This isn't like a fluke. Like, he's been doing this every single week. They're down seven. He throws a touchdown pass. I mean, yep. he basically won the game the other week on that bonkers catch by Mike Williams 
they just missed the field goal to win the game. I mean, he really right. made the game-winning play. So it's been you know this week after week, game-winning play after game-winning play in the fourth quarter. Um, I just don't know what I would want to see more from a kid that 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 lets me know that he's now that guy. Um, I, yeah, give me give me Justin Herbert. I can't blame you, man. It's it, they're both they're both fantastic prospects, and he's just played really well. And especially, you know, yes, today was against Jacksonville, and you know it is what it is. But he's done this sure. against you know Kansas City. He's I mean he's done this against some absolutely legitimate defenses uh, and legitimate teams. So it, it's it's not just he's beating up bad opponents. So this one's fun, man. This is so good. So you know, you and I both. Um, People are coming to us, especially a lot of the times in the off season. I think that's when we get a lot of activity uh, because we talk a lot about, you know, draft prospects and draft process and, you know, uh, redraft. I mean, excuse me, a, a startup draft or especially rookie draft. I think rookie draft season is my favorite time of year. It really is. I, I've fun. always loved the draft to begin with. I've been a draft Nick forever. Um, and so once I started playing fantasy football it was even a little bit more and the moment i started playing dynasty fantasy football the the, the draft was just like i mean it is the uh, it's my favorite thing all year so when that's the case obviously my my draft rankings my rookie rankings your rookie rankings are important before the nfl football draft i had ceh outside my top four and clearly for me, I thought he was right there, five, maybe six, depending on how I felt about a couple other prospects. One of them, by the way, being Antonio Gibson, who I had at six. Uh, you so go. you're welcome, America. If, uh, if more people were listening, they'd be, uh, they'd be profiting more, but that's all right. Hey, listenership is up. Don't worry about it. All right. No, listen, CEH was five. And I just had this little battle between Dobbins and Swift at two. I love Dobbins. I liked Akers too. He was kind of right there. Sometimes every now and again, I'd put Acres at two, and then it didn't feel right, and I'd put him back down, you know, in the offseason before the draft. But I definitely had those guys ahead of CEH. With Swift's breakout and CEH still being a great player, because like I said, I have five. It's not like I had him 15. He's a great player. Who do you have, Swift or CEH, if you're in Dynasty right now? You own one or the other, and they offer a trade. Are you, who are you taking? <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny because like three weeks ago, you would have been laughed off, off this podcast, you know, like we'd be like, what, why is this even a question? But that's, that shows you how quickly things change in football. You know, a couple weeks ago, CEH was getting a, a lion's share of the carries and, 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 you know, pass catching opportunities out of the best offense in football. And DeAndre Swift wasn't even beating out carry on Johnson and, and Adrian Peterson for touches. And, Wow, how things have changed over the past few weeks. I'm with you. I had DeAndre Swift as the higher-rated prospect coming in. Uh, for me, it was uh, – now, it was a little bit closer. I had it uh, pre-draft. I had and, – and this is actually our nerd score, so it locks it in. So I can always go back and figure out which ones. Now, mine are you know, separate from – I didn't do the whole nerd score. It was a couple people put it together, but – but for me, it was J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and then I came Cam Akers fifth in that group. Uh, sure. So it's a little bit closer. They were only two spots apart for me. Uh, and here's here's where I struggle because I do I do absolutely believe that 
that DeAndre Swift is the actual better player. And so because of that, I'm willing to say it's an even swap and, and I would be willing to take, take DeAndre Swift. Now, it's going to sound like I'm talking out of two sides of my mouth, but, but let me make the, the case real quick for the other side of this. I think people are a little bit overreacting to Le'Veon Bell. The, the reality is, yes, he's going to take some carries this year. He's probably going to take a, a, a good chunk. And so, you know, a guy that used to be an RB1 for you is probably now a lower-end RB2 for the season. But we're playing dynasty. We're not playing redraft fantasy football. And so, yes, now maybe for this season, their their value is is very similar and maybe even Swift a little bit higher. Long-term, we know CEH's value is going to bump back up. And so I, I don't think people should bury CEH after this. But if I absolutely had to, I'm a big believer in talent over situation because we know situations change. We've seen that already this year. So I will barely take DeAndre Swift. There you go. I love it. Um, Look, it's, it's, I'm not bearing CEH because the entire, even after the draft, I never put CEH to for like a long time. I was so reticent because I felt like JK Dobbins and DeAndre Swift were better. And I felt like, the situation in Baltimore was really good. It was just there was a little bit of roadblock there. I was like, man, if only, you know, Mark Ingram were gone, then all of a sudden it'd be on like Donkey Kong. But it's just not like there's a little bit of an issue there. So, all right. I mean, year one production, these guys are both good. I do think JK's better. But, all right, fine, I'll move CH. So I had – oftentimes I had JT uh, Dobbins – then CEH or Swift, you know, I kind of, I had to, you know, but I really wanted to keep it the same. I wanted to keep CEH at number five. The only reason I never really did that in any sort of draft was value, right? I mean, if I I said it last week, I think on the pod, I said, if I liked uh, Swift more than CEH and I had the, they were both on the clock, I might as well just take CEH and trade him to the Swift owner for Swift plus, right? Right. You know, right. You have to also understand value, right? So I'm not dumb enough to think, oh, yeah, he's going to be better year one. No, no. DeAndre Swift had a very rare chance of, uh, you know, small chance of becoming a better player in year one than CEH. That's that's clear. I mean, because, you know, we play redraft too. We understand how that works. But in Dynasty, you know, you got to look at the the skill of that player. And and like you say, situations change. Um and also, sometimes we think we know so much. I referenced it again, I think, last week. But I said, you know, at, at, at one point when Miles Sanders and David Montgomery were both drafted, I remember people saying, oh, Miles Sanders going to a crowded backfield. And I was like, What's, what are you talking about? And, and Mo- Monty didn't go to a crowded backfield. And at the time, uh, I made a tweet that said, you know, because uh, I didn't have the pod. I would have loved to have said it live on a pod. But I said that, you know, Mike Davis is better than Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen is better than whomever their satellite back was at the time. It might have been Sproles or whatever. And so therefore, Monty's going to a more crowded backfield than Sanders. Now, it turned out that they got rid of uh, Davis. Sure. Uh, but I think that was actually correct, by the way, too, because I think we found out that That's Mike good. Davis is probably better than Jordan Howard. Oh, yeah. um, and Tariq Cohen is about as good a you know satellite back as there is in the NFL. So, yeah, I do – you know. In other words, everybody was so sure that Sanders went to this crowded backfield, and to some degree he did because they did seem to like uh, Jordan Howard, even though uh, clearly 
someone in Miami doesn't like him. But, you know, we don't always know. And people get hurt. You know, um, the Marlon Mack injury obviously opened something up for Jonathan Taylor where maybe he'd have been still splitting some carries here and actually frustrating fantasy owners. He's frustrating enough as it is, so I don't even want to go there. But, um, <clears throat> you know, we don't know. Uh, and, and a guy can just – I mean, right now – did we ever think that DeAndre Swift was going to be wrestling with Adrian Peterson's two yards per carry? <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting. We we definitely I didn't anyway expect them to bring in a guy <laughs> like Adrian Peterson. I I thought once once he got cut in uh, the, with the Washington football team there that that he was going to ride off into the sunset and and he didn't. <laughs> so uh, good on him to to still be able to do that at at his age. But it, it is interesting and obviously. You know, long term, this this is the Andre Swift team. Absolutely, <clears throat> excuse me. And and what a game in Detroit, by the way. Did you, did you see what happened there, or did you miss it? Or I I, I got to watch and- the highlights afterward about the uh, Todd Gurley accidentally scoring a touchdown. That's always an odd one. <laughs> yeah, it, you know your fantasy team's happy if you're an Atlanta fan. Which let's be real, there's no Atlanta fans, so let's just stop that. Uh, but no, I'm joking. Uh, Twenty-eight to three lives on. That's all I'm going to tell you, Patriots fans. Uh, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I thought that was crazy. And, you know, but again, you know, you look at, uh, they were both kind of average, uh, you know, in this game that the running game didn't get going. But I think, you know, DeAndre's just got to be that guy that's, that's getting the, the ball a few times. I mean, he had five targets, so it, it was a little bit better. Uh, he scored. So, I mean, but you, you hate to see that sort of even split with the carries with Swift and Peterson. At some point, we'd like to see, you know, 15 to five instead of 10 and 10, right? Oh yeah, I, that day is coming, uh, and if not, yeah. it'll be it'll be the end of Matt Patricia very soon. Yeah, for, I, it may be both, right? Right. Um, yeah, it may be both. I mean, they're somehow three and three, um, <laughs> they, and they lost poor DeAndre Swift on that uh, first game uh, where he dropped the game winning touchdown too, which was insane. So this this Lions team could very well be four and two. Um, so. Football is fickle, small sample size traps at all times. So I guess we'd just be careful with that. But yeah, I, I, I guess it's fair enough to take Swift over CEH while we're at it because you had, um, JT, uh, behind some of these guys. Um, let me just ask while we're here, JT or Swift then? So I had, I had JT third pre draft. Uh, but the one thing I had said, uh, before the draft was, I have some concerns about Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he's he's not a guy that is creative behind the line of scrimmage. He's going to be it. You know, th- there'll be times he'll get stuffed. Whereas guys like Swift and Dobbins and Ceh, they can make guys miss. So if Jonathan Taylor goes to a team, I agree with, with a, that. What's that? I agree with that. By the way, that's this is a good take. Keep going. Sorry. No, no, you're good. Uh, so you know, th- he's not going to be creative. He's a guy that sticks with the game plan for better or worse. So, and it's when he gets ahead of steam going downfield, that's when he he does his damage. So if he goes somewhere with a bad O-line, he's going to stay at like third for me in that range. However, if he dares goes to a team, and this was my exact words, like Indianapolis or San Francisco, you know, he's going to probably be my RB1 because it's a perfect scheme fit for how he plays the game. That outside zone is really, really good for him. And so once we got post-draft, Jonathan Taylor actually vaulted uh, into my number one running back spot. So I would still take Jonathan Taylor today. 
Oh, good. Okay, I thought I was going to have to... Ah, see, now we're we're back. We're getting along again. This is great. It's funny <laughs> you say that, too, because uh, San Francisco was, was my, like, dream landing spot for him. Like, I mean, it would have just been unbelievable just him getting to the edge. Like, you know, every time you saw, like, Jeff Wilson today just kind of has a clear, you know, that clear edge, and you're like, oh, imagine if that were JT just, right. you know, busting the edge with all that creative motion and and misdirection and the lead blocking of Juszczyk and Kittle and oh my god it would have just been crazy stuff there so yeah I'm with you I really thought the Indianapolis uh, fit was good too I think they probably could stand to have a few weapons right now obviously with Paris Campbell hurt I think that really hurts him because he added a an element of speed that was that was showing itself I think sure. I think Paris Campbell's the real deal whether or not he gets healthy again or not I, I don't know if the speed's still there who knows Obviously, Pittman was, you know, designed to be their sort of X. Uh, he's also a blocker. He was going to be able to, you know, kind of be that uh, Jalen Hurd type a little bit in terms of blocking, but also, you know, that outside X and free up T.Y. Hilton to kind of, you know, uh, work the deep middle of the field. And it just never came to fruition. Now T.Y. looks a step slow. Phil Rivers obviously has his shortcomings. Um, it's not working out perfect. And, and I think JT is definitely still a rookie, you know, and there's a reason that they're called rookies, you know, right? Um, you know, it's it's not easy. Uh, most of these running backs, too, if you look at historically, yes, there are some that come in year one and, and do dominate, although the ones that dominate are few and far between. Even elite backs, generally it's year two, three, four that they start to dominate. Year one is usually that sort of trial by fire, picking up you know the the complexity of the game the speed of the game i i said it a couple weeks ago it's like you know they were they were the elite of the elite in college well when they get to the pros yeah they still might be elite but they're everybody else is elite too like that's why they're here you know so it's always whenever you move up a level and and i know you played and i played whenever you move up a level it's like oh god these guys are good like we all remember it doesn't matter what level when you move up a level that's how you feel and that's how these guys feel oh yeah the, the the speed picks up and all that and and you can see with jonathan taylor he's he, he's taking a little bit too long to process some of the things. He's overthinking a little bit. The game will slow down for him. No doubt. I agree with you 100%. You can almost see it in some of his runs. He gets bottled up, and you're like, God, if he just you know went for it or whatever. So that the pace of the game will definitely be a different a different beast, and he'll get there. Uh, I'd love to see him with a, a mobile quarterback. You know, hey, if they could ever get their hands on a guy like Jacoby Brissett, it'd be amazing. <laughs> joking, joking. Uh so what is your take on Cam Akers? I think Cam Akers is uh, is an interesting player. I mean, he's been, you know, he kind of looked like he was going to be the starting running back, got hurt on that first drive a few weeks ago. I can't remember what game that was, but was out for a few weeks. They promised he was going to play. He comes back. Nothing happens. Now they're going to play tomorrow night. So we'll this will sort of come out. But I, I, I don't suspect he's going to do very much. I think it's still going to be the Daryl Henderson show. I mean, obviously, if he shows out, that's one thing. But – are you nervous about Cam Akers or or what? Yeah, I, I'm definitely I'm definitely nervous about Cam Akers. He was a guy that I was not on very heavy in the pre-draft process. Watching his tape, uh, he was a a very good athlete, but he wasn't necessarily a great running back. You know, the the measurables were there. If you wanted to create what a running back should look like in a lab, I mean, that's basically Cam Akers. He's he's big, he's fast, he's strong. He had you know pretty soft hands. Like there's. There's a lot of things there, but uh, you know, I, I'm talking about Jonathan Taylor's processing. I saw that in college with with Cam Akers, where 
you know, he would overprocess things sometimes. Uh, he would miss things in the open field where, uh, you know, he he didn't understand the the block leverages of of different players in, in his in his path ahead of him and different things like that where he just didn't didn't have a, a great feel for the game and having you know it always gets brought up with him but it's it's fair he had a terrible line in college and I don't think that did him any favors because he also picked up a lot of bad habits the Rams don't necessarily have a great offensive line either I am very worried about Cam Akers he I, I told you I had him five but it, he was actually very close to being six for me it was like points away in 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 the nerd score model that I that I work with which is evaluating tape like I, I just I had a a lot of nerves about him I the one thing that I kind of stuck to was you could tell me that Cam Akers ends up being one of the top two or three running backs in this class and shows out as a low-end RB1 for for years, and that wouldn't surprise me. But you could also tell me that he's a complete bust and, and we don't see him in the league for, you know, after a year or two, and that wouldn't shock me either. And so we'll see what, what happens, but he's definitely one of the biggest boom-bust rewards. And so far, it's looking more bust, but it's it's what week seven like there's plenty plenty of time for him to mature and grow these players do mature they do process things better they do get coached up so I'm not ready to bury him just yet but I would be concerned if I had him on my teams yeah that's fair enough so that'll that'll bring me to a spot where I think um I'd like to ask this so if that's your take on acres now that we've seen what James Robinson and Antonio Gibson are doing would you take either of those or both of those ahead of them in Dynasty? I would. I absolutely would. Uh, and, and I Both? Uh, yeah, both of them. I would take both of them. Uh, I, I think James Robinson looks really good right now. Obviously, there's a lot of different things that could change in Jacksonville. But what we saw with Miami is, I think, similar to what we're going to see with Jacksonville, where they're loading up on picks. But you know, I thought almost for certain that J.K. Dobbins was going to be a Miami Dolphin last year. They had so many picks. They seemed to really like him. All these things fit. But what Miami did was made a lot of football sense. They said, okay, we're going to get our quarterback, and then we're going to build up our offensive line and get good defensive players. Running backs we can worry about later when we're actually good. For now, we have people that can get us by. And I think that's what's going to happen in Jacksonville, where is is Jan, is James Robinson this absolutely legit top eight running back in the NFL? No. But is he a good running back? Yeah. Could he be very similar to a Chris Carson, a guy that was kind of slept on and, you know, is it very good real life football running back and actually doing very well for fantasy right now too? Absolutely. Uh, and then Gibson is similar to Cam Akers in that he was a very boom bust type prospect, but we're seeing the opposite so far. We're seeing the boom side. We're seeing you know him developing and, and playing better constantly. So I think that's going to be the big difference here is uh, he's he's kind of really flourished with the different opportunities that he's been given, whereas Cam Akers hasn't so far. Yeah, that's I guess that's fair enough. Um, you know, I asked the question uh, to to both Andrew Mackins and Justin Mandero last week. I said, "All right, so you have to pick." either James Robinson or the field. Which running back has the most touches week one of 2021 for the Jacksonville Jaguars? So you must think it's James Robinson. I do. I do think it's James Robinson. I think he'll lead that team in carries at the beginning of next year. Now, uh, to, to to quote our guy, Rich Dodson, he's the absolute definition of a two- to three-year window guy, uh, especially with being undrafted. 
That means he's on a three-year contract. So he could absolutely be done by the end of his contract, and, and that's all we see of James Robinson. But for the time being, utilize it or trade him and, and, and gain value for your team at other positions. But uh, at this point, I I would definitely still rather have him than Cam Akers. Wow. Okay. Well, we're going to agree. We finally found someplace I we disagree, and I'll, I'll kind of go the other way for sure just for – for the sake of the show. Here. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, you know, here, I, I'll take the field when it comes to 2021, game one, most running back touches in Jacksonville. I think they're going to be a completely different team. They're going to have a different coaching staff. They're going to have a different, you know, they're going to have a lot of different things there. It sounds like they're going to have a different quarterback, whether they should or shouldn't. It sounds like they are. They it sounds like they want to lose. Uh, you know, I think that, uh, Gardner Minshew is losing too competitively for their liking. And I think that's why they floated out the, the Glennon would play, uh, stuff. I mean, look, Minshew's not perfect, but you know, they've got other problems there. They, they gave up 40 today, 39, whatever, um, you know, to another rookie quarterback. So I think they've got issues. They've been giving up a lot of points every single week. So I think Minshew's been pressing. I don't think Minshew's a top 15 quarterback, but I think he's a, I think he's an NFL quarterback, uh, maybe a top 20, 25 quarterback, which look on a, on a, on a, on a good team, I think he could be okay. He's also still young. He's a second year guy who's been in a dysfunctional system. So Minshew's a little underrated, I think at times, but, uh, that being said, he may be gone. I think the whole team will be turned over. I think that they'll definitely consider the running back position. By the way, I was a big fan of, of James Robinson. Pre-draft, I had him at RB13 in my rookie rankings. I was definitely one of the only ones who had him anywhere close to that 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 area. Um, so I'm a big James Robinson fan. However, he is an undrafted uh, undrafted free agent signing. Uh, he does have Reichwell Armstead, who now we find out is sick. Uh, Zigbo was, you know. Um, has been on the IR. Uh, they released Fournette for financial reasons, so the the seas kind of parted for him too. Now he's played great. I love him. I, I you know this is I'm not surprised to see what he's doing. However, I, I will be surprised. And I said if he's going to hang on to that job, he's going to have to hang on real tight. When it comes to Cam Akers, you said it. He's the prototype man. He is a legit NFL running back with draft capital, with pedigree, with size and speed, with athleticism and burst, with hands. And everything. He's the full package. So if you can find a way to make a trade, in my opinion, where you're trading James Robinson, getting Cam Akers plus back, do that. Um, not to, not to downplay what my main man Garrett's saying, but I just disagree. And I think that this is where the CEH Swift thing was, you know, a couple weeks ago is the same place we're at now with Akers is that people are forgetting how good this kid was. And, you know, what, what did he have? Negative. 50 yards blocked for him in college, right? His yeah, senior year it, was, it was bad. You know, it was really bad. Right? It was like the worst thing you've ever seen. It was like literally he, if he had got no positive yards on his own, he would have had negative rushing yards all season. Like mind-blowing st- stuff. I mean, and you're right. That did give him some bad habits. I'll I'll give you that. I will, I will say that he is not a fully formed beast yet, but he's with Jared Goff, right? Malcolm Brown is just a guy. Darrell Williams and him, I think, will probably see some split touches this year. But eventually, probably next year, I think he takes over that backfield. And I think a, a 2021, if you're asking me who's going to have a better 2021 season, James Robinson or Cam Akers, it's Cam Akers by leaps and bounds. 
So for me, if you can make that trade now, go ahead and do it. I already said that I, I would trade James Robinson, but not if I was a contender. Uh, you know, the old saying I have is you can't, you can't, uh, start a 2021 first in your RB2 slot. Uh, you know, so, right. So go ahead and change, trade James Robinson. But if you're, if you're going to miss the, the playoffs and not win a chip because you have this 2021 first, it didn't do you any good. I mean, maybe it will next year, but yeah, there's always next year. Yeah, win now so, when you can, man. Exactly right. So I'm with you. I, I'm a big fan of James Robinson, but I think um, maybe a little bit of recency bias on a team that you know, good stats, bad team type of guy. If that team gets better, maybe he's just not that that guy. Um, so in, in any event, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you there. Now, Antonio Gibson, on the other hand, to me, he was right there. Um, he he's actually you know, if you put him in a lab, he's like David Johnson, but even faster. Like. I mean, he's a wide college wide receiver, so the right. hands are there. That that's on right. Yeah. Oh, he's he's a big play waiting to happen, and and he's <laughs> got the size. I mean, he weighed in at what two hundred and twenty two pounds. He's he's not little by any stretch of the imagination. So yeah, it, he's definitely unrefined as well. But that's coming, and you can tell that he has a very natural knack for it, and he'll pick up some of the nuance as he goes. So, yeah, I'm I'm in on I'm in on uh, Antonio Gibson. I liked him as a prospect, and it was just going to be more of a how quickly does he pick up becoming a running back as opposed to just I'm a really good athlete and it looks like he's picking that up pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when, you know, he was listed in Memphis at 6'2 and I was like, man, that's a little tall for a running back. And they went to the combine, he was 6 foot. I was like, oh, thank God. It's like the first time you want someone to be shorter, you know? <laughs> right. Because the the BMI gets thrown out of whack and, you know, it's just the metrics sort of show that he's a little less likely to be successful, although I guess if we go back to like uh, Bo Jackson, Herschel Walker, those guys did okay at a little taller height, but, um, you know, and, and that's honestly what he reminds me of in some ways, this sort of uber athlete that isn't a pure running back, but, you know, he's just a, he's an incredible athlete. And if he continues to stay healthy, because really his, you know, there's like, I always felt like David Montgomery was never going to be elite because he didn't have elite, uh, athleticism. So it was just impossible. But if you, He's a good player. Like, he's a really good football player. Like, he's a really good football. He's good at football. But he's just not elite. So he's not going to be elite. Um, but this guy is like, if you gave David uh, David Montgomery's sort of like instincts to Antonio Gibson, I mean, good God, you know. I mean, this kid is just unbelievable. So I, I'd be obviously okay with, you know, giving up, you know, Akers and, and getting uh, Gibson, but I'd still be weary of that. Um, I'm very, very, this makes me want to go buy Akers where I can, because if I can get them at the, at the cost that, you know, that you're saying, I, I'm a buyer. So, you know, I tried to buy Akers the other day. I actually offered, you're not going to believe this. This got turned down. Listen to this, listen to this trade. I offered a CEH for Akers plus a 21 first got turned down. Wow. Was this, was this after the bell news or no? Uh, no, I think it was before it was, wow, it, that's shocking. Shocking. I was like, I almost was like, what am I doing? You know, I, sometimes the best trades that get turned down are the ones that, I mean, some of the best trades you make are the ones that get turned down. Sure. I, I love just taking a picture of those and putting them on my phone. Should have done it. And be like, holy smokes. <laughs> uh, like, so real it quick, felt important when it happened. Real quick. I know I have the Sunday night football game on. You do not. There is kind of yes. a, a, an important fantasy football update that has happened. Would you like me to Go tell you, or do you want me to hold off and let you let you watch it? No, I see it. What I see it. All right. So, so you saw Kenyon Drake. What happened? All right. So Kenyon Drake taken off on a cart. Uh, did you see what he did? I didn't see exactly what happened, uh, but I mean, he had his head in the towel. He was he he looked distraught. 
So it, I don't think okay. it's good. I mean, it would be irresponsible for me to speculate since I didn't see, and, and I'm not a doctor by any stretch, but it, it looked like the type of injury where he's going to be out for, uh, for a good, good amount of time. All right, so I'll be irresponsible. Let's pretend for a moment that Kenyon Drake is out for the season, right? Let's just do it because right. we're not going to know. This comes out on Tuesday. If he's not out for the season, then something else is true. Yeah, just ignore but this. He's out just for... fast forward this part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but it's probably pretty – it's more interesting to listen to now because you get to listen to these two dummies talk about something that didn't happen. There but you go. Look, if he's carted – yeah, if he's carted off and he's, he's – he's, look, he's probably out for at least – a couple weeks or something if it's that bad, but whatever. Uh, he's going to pull a Paul Pierce, all right? He's, he's coming back. He in comes the game. right back in the game. Um, <laughs> hey, look, I'm a, uh, Paul's like my boy, too. So me making fun of Paul, we're good, you know? All right. So, um, wh- how, how, okay. So, uh, Chase Edmonds obviously immediately f- ratchets up, 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 up the list. For sure. But, you know, do they do something? Do they make a move? I mean, it, it, they can make a trade. I wouldn't be shocked to see them make some sort of deal or uh, you know something like that. It is before the uh, the NFL trade deadline, so it could absolutely happen. But it's definitely going to be the Chase Edmonds show. He looked good last year, and all season long he's been outproducing <laughs> Kenyon Drake, with the exception of the Dallas game because of that last second seventy five or whatever it was yard touchdown. With the exception of that game, he had been outproducing him all season. He had he looked much better in this game as well, and. I think this is going to be his chance. And, and he was already the receiving down back. And so really all he was missing was the 12 to 15 carries a game. If he's getting that on top of his six, seven targets, I mean, we're instantly into for redraft value, like right around RB one range. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And, you know, I just kind of took a quick temperature of the league. You know, when you look at some of these, there's not a ton of t- trade candidates who are going to make a difference, who are going to, here's the, here's what I'm, they might make a move. But are they, is there a player available in a trade that's going to be better than Chase Edmonds? I think the answer is a, is a resounding no, although I haven't looked at every single team and really thought about it. But I don't think there's a real player they could bring in. Am I missing anybody? Am I, I mean, because like I'm trying to think. I, th- that fits their scheme too. I mean, maybe right. Denver could, could give up one of their backs, but I'm not sure at this point either one is necessarily better. Than Chase Edmonds, right? Um, I I agree. Uh, I mean, Washington's not giving up uh, Antonio Gibson. I'm trying to think of the teams that are out of it that'd be willing to trade. Uh, Gaskin's not an upgrade. Like, like I I just don't right? think there's anybody that's like better. even backups. Like 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 some of the backups. Like so you have like Justin Jackson and uh, Josh Kelly, but you know Eckler's out, so they kind of need them. Right. You know you could talk about Jamal Williams perhaps, but. Uh, Aaron Jones just missed a game, so they need him. Like, you know, even some of the backups where you're like, oh, they could do something, but, you know, I don't think there's much there. You know, Dallas isn't going to trade Tony Pollard. Um, are they? Like, right? Like, you know, because a guy like Pollard, you know, could certainly put Chase Edmonds in his rear view potentially, but I don't think Dallas has given him up. No, right? probably not. And, you know, you know what I mean? Like, there's not a real backup. So I think this puts Chase Edmonds right where you say, right at the edge of the uh, RB1s for redraft. And for Dynasty, well, huh, let's look here. This is what's interesting now because I had, I'm going to tell you where I had Chase Edmonds, like, <laughs> in this moment and where I'm going to move him up. We're going to do that that fun thing where we start to. Get a little excited. Yeah. Uh, Here, you know, I'm going to look Kenyon, at my rankings while we're doing it. Yeah. I had Kenyon Drake at RB31. I had uh, Chase Edmonds at RB35. 
So you already had them really, really close. Yes, because I thought it was going to be a takeover split backfield yep, anyway. I, I wasn't was with so you. sure Drake would hold on. I, and like every redraft league, I have Chase Edmonds uh, just because I was waiting for this this day to happen. Not that sounds really a, bad. I was bad not day, rooting for him a good to be day. injured or anything like that. Um, but but That's I was right. thinking because of his talent, at some point he would be taking over. Yes. So so do you see? Do you have yours up or no? Let me get it. I'm close. All right. No problem. No problem. So. We're going to start looking at how high he goes in. This is interesting, man. Whew. In Dynasty, how high he goes. Because, you know, there's still the issue. Like, Kenyon Drake was where he was because um, we sort of anticipated that no matter what, Arizona would probably address the position next year. Drake was on a one-year contract. And that's why I didn't have either of these two guys much higher than RB32. Um, I'm not sure if maybe we're going to find out if, if, uh, if Garrett disagrees with me. So, uh, I had Drake before today. I had him at RB 26. Um, and, yep. and then I had Chase Edmonds at RB 37. Yep. So that's fair. So a little bit higher on Drake and a little bit lower on Edmonds. So that's fair enough. Um, but that's right in the range where you know my brethren had him as well. So I was uh, lowest. Well, uh, one of my one of my uh, rankers had him at thirty two. Drake. So we were the two lowest at thirty two and thirty one. Um, so so now we look. It's like okay, would you rather have Chase Edmonds or Daryl Henderson? I mean, you can't move too much further up before you start getting into real players. Yeah, Henderson in Dynasty. Henderson was running back thirty six. Uh, for me, I needed to move him up too. Uh, <laughs> But I had him at I have him at running back twenty seven. I mean, I just feel like, you know, he's getting the work. I, you heard me say I love Acres, but you know, it's like at some point, when's that going to happen? So right, yeah, I had some guys like you know Mostert and Bell like right ahead of those guys. I'm going to be bumping those guys down um, at this point too. So. Well, look, you're not taking Edmonds ahead of Antonio Gibson. You're no. not taking Edmonds ahead of James Robinson. You're not taking Edmonds ahead of Todd Gurley. I assume, or are you in Dynasty? No. No, I don't think I'm quite there. Right? I'm not taking Edmonds ahead of – I'm just going to order my rankings. Austin Eckler. Now, here's interesting. It's like when you start to get into – this is where it gets interesting. The David Montgomery, Leonard Fournette, because I think he's going to be a better 2021 player than Montgomery in Fournette. Well, Fournette's interesting now too. But, uh, wow, this is very interesting. So, he's going to be right around uh, – Right around running back twenty five or something like that. He's got a flip flop for you, maybe with Kenyon Drake, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm putting him basically spot for spot, um, except for you know Drake's just going to go further down than RB thirty seven at this point. Absolutely. Um, yep. No, nope. I think that's right. I think that's right because really Edmonds is Drake. Yep. There's no more security. He doesn't have any more security after the injury than Drake did. Right. Exactly. Yep. Nope, that's that's the right answer. So, but he's gonna be a he's gonna be a monster uh, for twenty twenty one potentially. I mean, he, I always thought I thought he was better than Drake, which is why I had him so close. I'm like, look, I think he's a better player, so I will grant that Drake is getting the the you know the 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 work. But you know, I was waiting for it to flip at some point. I did not want it to be a Drake injury. That's for sure. I feel no, bad for the kid. No. I hope he's okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I think we're probably in lockstep somewhere around RB24, 25, right in that ballpark. Yep, yep. I, I literally just put him at RB25, so yep. <laughs> wow, so that is very interesting. Very interesting. So, so sorry for the interruption, but I thought that was that was kind of big news to, to want to Interruption? That's uh, breaking news, uh, you know. <laughs> it won't be breaking by the time you hear it, but for us it's breaking. 
Yeah, when you guys hear it, you'll be like, oh, yeah, Kenyon Drake's starting this week, dummies. <laughs> well, well, I, I'd love, I, this is right about the time of the show where I, I love to ask a little bit about what you're up to. So tell me a little bit about, you know, what you're doing over at the Dynasty Nerds, what you guys have going, and maybe anything exciting or new or just anything that, you know, you feel proud of or trying to pimp or. Just tell me what's what's happening over there. Yeah, so the big thing for us right now is is our GM tool that we launched. We're we're very excited about it. We're very proud of it. Uh, it's basically you can dump all of your 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 leagues in it. It supports both or all three between sleeper, uh, MFL, and flea flicker. You can put all your leagues in there. It automatically not only puts your team in but all the other teams in as well. It tells you which teams are looking the best for uh, contender rankings, which would be similar to redraft, you know, teams that think that they can really win it this year. Because I get asked that question. I'm sure you do as all, all the time as well. You know, can my team contend this year? Well, you can just put your team right in there, and it'll tell you right away if we think that you have a legit shot to contend. And then, uh, but also dynasty rankings, you know, who overall has the best value when you can factor in picks and when you factor in the young players and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so that's probably the biggest thing that that we have going right now that uh, is really affecting what's going on at Dynasty Nerds. Yeah, it's awesome. Like I said, one of the f- first uh, sites that I kind of frequented and the, the pods that I listened to was Dynasty Nerds. So, you know, Rich and Matt and now, of course, Garrett, I think you do an outstanding job. I'll force those two guys to listen and tell, tell the world that uh, Garrett's the best one on there for sure. <laughs> You know, so if they want to hear their shout out, Dynasty Rich, Dynasty Matt, you got to listen to the end because it, it's it's fire. You know, you're lucky to have Garrett uh, to you know cover up all your mistakes, just like he covered up my mistakes today. That's who he is. Like he's the best guy. By the way, <laughs> if the world doesn't know, also, I, I don't think I was clear early on. Literally, Garrett Price is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet in the world. And don't don't be modest here, brother. You're a fantastic human being. I love interacting with you. You're such a good dude. Go follow him at Dynasty Price on Twitter. Uh, your day will be better for it. You know, he's a really smart guy when it comes to fantasy football, Dynasty football specifically. But, you know, even above and beyond all that, he's a really, really awesome dude who will uh, brighten your day if you need it too. So I, I love I love calling you a friend of mine, and I love that you were on the show, and and I uh, really appreciate everything, my friend. Scott, that, that means more than you know, man. I, I really genuinely do appreciate that. and. Uh, I, I've always had great respect for you and uh, your, your takes, and I've always enjoyed getting to talk with you, and, and you always have a great way of looking at things. And so uh, hearing that from you really, really means a lot for me. So I appreciate that. Yeah, and I mean it, man. You're you're one of those guys. You know, it's just sort of, you know, some people, their personality comes through, you know, even when they're, you know, just telling a story on Twitter or whatever, and yours does. And and it's very clear that, that you know, you're, you're just a, a great guy. So I appreciate it, man. Um, even though you're terribly wrong about James Robinson over Cam Akers. I mean, I feel bad for you in that way. And maybe that's why I said this nice thing. Yeah, just to try to cover up my oopsie. Yeah, man. I just feel bad. You know, hey, you're not the guy who tried to trade, uh, CH for him. So, I mean, you know, you're, you're definitely better off than me. I mean, you're, you wouldn't do something that dumb. So, um, but no, it was a pleasure having you, brother. Go check out Dynasty Nerds. Go check out, you know, Rich, Matt and, and Garrett there. And they've got all sorts of cool stuff. The GM tool is pretty slick. I know a lot of the guys in my leagues will sometimes, you know, flash it in my face that I'm the worst team, but then I'm usually four and two or whatever. So I don't want to hear it. No, I'm just joking, <laughs> but I really appreciate it. And, uh, like always with, with, with us, uh, you know, I'd love for you to, share what we're doing over at the at the nerds i'd love to come on there and sort of tell our story because here at the undroppables we're we're doing a lot of great stuff um you know i know we're we're relatively new to the space but you know the the cumulative effort that we have we just have so many guys working on this you know pulling the pulling the same direction on the rope so to speak and uh you know so 
Go check out theundroppables.com. We've got our rankings up there. Uh, search The Undroppables on iTunes. We now have four, four different podcasts up. Undroppables YouTube channel. Undroppables on the Fantasy Football Discord. You know, we're, we're kind of all over the place. We're there to help you. Go check us out and have a great, great day. And uh, hopefully, hopefully Kenyon Drake's okay because, uh, you know, no, no one ever likes to see someone get hurt. But on that note, we are out.